All right, it's the Storm Tracker podcast, and it's another sad day for Miami Hurricanes fans. Miami loses at home to Duke 45 21. An embarrassing loss, a stunning loss, whatever you want to call it. It's another loss in the rather average ACC Coastal Division. Uh, I'm, I'm here with Gio Milian. It's Marcus Benjamin here for CanesCounty.com. And Gio, I'm stunned, man. Uh, I'm really stunned with it with this with this outcome. Uh, I wasn't expecting this, at, at, you know, in the slightest. To get blown out by Duke is just is just quite frankly embarrassing, man. Uh, I just I don't I don't even know what to say really because uh, this this was something that kind of blindsided me. Um, with the result, what do you, what what were what were your first thoughts when 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 the when the score went final? Uh, first thought: eight turnovers. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, is what I could say. Um, <laughs> that is actually the third most by a college football team, actually even for a Power 5 team since 2009. So that's very mind-blowing. I found out that number after the game, after speaking with a few people. Um, in regards to just my general thoughts from the game, uh, it didn't seem like this was going to be the what the final outcome would have been, you know, with – Kind of a quick start Miami jumped out to. You know, it seemed like Miami had control of the game as soon as they entered in. And then it just completely unraveled after the first turnover. Um, you know, it's it, it's kind of mind-blowing just the eight turnovers. I, I can't even remember the last time Miami had that many turnovers in a single game. Uh, it's very eye-opening. Uh, I think at that point, I don't, I don't even think that's a coaching thing. I think that's more of a a player's thing, uh, more of a will and a want to, because yeah, that, that's a, that's giving up the ball way too much, especially uh, just closing thought on that about the eight turnovers. Four of those eight turnovers were actually given up within Miami's own red zone. So technically they're spotting the Duke blue devils about four scores like that. You, you can't let that happen. You can't. Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely can't. Uh, I don't know what level of football you win doing that. It, it was just an embarrassing performance, just just overall. And Tyler Van Dyke goes down in this game, so obviously that doesn't help. But he didn't see the rush coming it looks like he may have a shoulder injury no information was given after the game by coach Cristobal regarding Tyler Van Dyke but from what it looked like it looked like it was a shoulder injury on his throwing arm so he's potentially going to be out for a few weeks uh nothing official yet just speculation but um, after that, you, you get Jake Garcia in, and he did throw an interception in that first half, but then he started to get going in the second half. So you kind of thought, okay, Miami has a chance. They even took the lead, you know, with, uh, with the touchdown to Will Mallory, which ended up being his only catch of the game, by the way. Um, 
So it looked promising, and then all of a sudden, Jake Garcia was just throwing ducks out there, man. He was just throwing all these balls that were just highly questionable. Like, uh, I just I just didn't get it. Now, I mean, from our view, it just were – they were throws that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, throwing in the coverage, basically just throwing directly to – Blue Devils out there, and it was it was just terrible to see uh, that. And then for me, it's like what what when I watched this game, I saw Riley Leonard, you know, do his thing. Um, so he had fourteen rushes for sixty one yards, scoring three touchdowns. He averaged four point four yards a carry. But Miami knew about this guy going in, and they still couldn't stop him. So for me, that was the biggest takeaway. Like, you knew you had to stop Riley Leonard on the ground, and you still couldn't stop him. Yeah, That was the most disappointing for me because it makes me feel like there's just not enough talent on this team to get victories in a division that you can say is pretty average if you compare the division to – other power five divisions across the board. So just it's just a lack of talent on this team to really compete at a high level. Those fourth downs on that drive were killer. And I mean that that was that was the that was the thing for me, Gio. It's just just uh that there's a lack of talent on this team to play big time big boy football. Yeah, you know. Sometimes I agree with that. Sometimes I don't. A lot of the, and you know, it's it's the argument that I always say that a lot of these kids that are on Miami's roster, for the most part, were recruited by other top tier Power Five programs around the country. So you start to think of the question of has it been their development at Miami under prior regimes? I mean, you do have the new coaching staff now with Mario Cristobal and what was termed. Uh, preseason to be an all-star coaching staff so yes i understand it's a rebuilding year it is your first building block season but some of these losses you at, at a certain point you you do have to start questioning what's going on out there because it seems like with miami this season if it's not one thing it's another and you know this is a conversation we had in the press box uh after the game was over you and i just speaking about how you know the rushing game seemed to be a strength for Miami coming out of the first three games. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. The passing offense was struggling through the first few games. Then Tyler Van Dyke gets going after uh, getting benched against Middle Tennessee State. Uh, it's it's very much up and downs, up and down performances for the defense. I wouldn't necessarily put it entirely on Miami's defense today. Although it, it is concerning, uh, giving up those fourth down conversions, kind of uh, bringing some Canes fans, maybe some reoccurring nightmares of the Manny Diaz era, you know, just some uh, some converted fourth downs that still haunt some Canes fans even till now. But it's... Fourth and 13? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's uh, you know, just, you know, the Florida State fourth down conversion, the conversion North Carolina had on fourth down... Uh, it's a lot of ones that really stick out from the past, but now you, you have some from this season too. So it seems to be a recurring theme. Um, I don't think it's exactly talent. I think it's 
it's a mentality thing too, to be honest. I, these, you know, we've talked about it before to some extent, you know, just these players having needing, having a needing to believe in themselves. And I think a lot of them question themselves about how good they really are. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I do say talent because that's what it seems like on the field, but in reality, Miami's got more talent than Duke, top to yes. bottom. They they've recruited better than Duke for the past I don't know maybe twenty years, and and yet and still they're they're in these battles with not only Duke but other coastal teams. It's 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 really really puzzling to me why they can't they can considerably out recruit all of the other teams in the coastal division. Yet they can't win this division. They've only won it one time, um, technically two times if you want to count the, the self-imposed year uh, yeah. without without Golden. But that that's the part for me, and I, I I do agree with you. I do think there is there there's not a there's not a a band of brothers mentality uh, with this team um, because. You know, you and I, well, we've watched plenty of football, plenty of high school football. Sometimes there's there's teams out there that don't have the talent that still win games, you know, yes. uh, still, still get far um, as far as, you know, their goals during the season. I mean, I mean, uh, Wake Forest is not an overly talented team, but yet that's a team that I would consider probably the second best team in the ACC right now behind Clemson. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, th there's definitely something wrong here. And which brings me to one of the points that I did want to kind of bring up here. Like, is there, because I, I feel like there's a lack of chemistry with the team. And usually when, when you try to identify problems, you go to the root of the problem, right? And or you go to the top, like well, how how well how is it at the top? So I question if there is some kind of lack of chemistry with this coaching staff. You know what I mean? So yeah, because if 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 the team is not performing up to par, and we say that they are talented enough to win these games then there must be something going on with this coaching staff that we don't realize or maybe there there's just maybe too many changes at the moment for the program i mean they're changing facilities they've changed obviously the scheme uh for the offense uh there have been changes as far as players are concerned there's a lot of new faces is it too many changes, you think, or 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 maybe a lack of chemistry with this coaching staff? I, I think it all just boils right back down to mentality. And what I mean by mentality is it seems to be the reoccurring theme that dated back from the Manny Diaz era and prior eras is that once Miami gets punched in the mouth in a game, it seems like they don't get back up to fight unless it's an opponent that that seems to have some type of juice you know like uh miami did go down early in college station texas against the aggies but 
they did continue to fight in that game. Now you look at games against Duke and Middle Tennessee. Once Miami got punched in the mouth, it seemed like they struggled to find an answer. You know, they had some spurts of some nice moments, but for the most part, it seems that once things don't go Miami's way, it's kind of like they just lose all hope. And, you know, that's that's not a way a football team should be ran. And I'm not saying exactly that's what's happening with Mario Cristobal. I would, I would be very hard-pressed to even believe that is exactly what's happening. But I think it's some of the remnants of the past still there. Um, maybe some Hurricanes fans might not like it, or maybe they will like what I'm about to say. Uh, I, I expect a lot of departures just in terms of, uh, of players on the team, even after the season. I, I don't think some of the players fit into the philosophy of what Mario Cristal is trying to do with Miami. It's, this is a bigger rebuild than I think any of us could have, could have imagined from top to bottom. Yeah, it, yeah, this is definitely a rebuild. Um, I think a lot of Miami Hurricanes fans are coming to that realization throughout the season, and this game is even more evident of that, that this is a rebuild. This is going to take a lot of time for Mario Cristobal to get Miami officially back. Bringing the U back is going to be a process. And for me, I think... The talent is not up to par or the chemistry with the coaching staff is not there as of yet. And it is going to take some time. It is going to take some time. And I I came to the realization today that Chris Ball has only been here 10 months. He yep. hasn't even been here an entire calendar year as of yet. And for Canes fans to expect Chris Ball to turn this around in, in year one is not realistic, you know, and it is going to take maybe a, maybe a couple of years for Miami to really get back to an elite status where they're always in the national conversation, because from what we saw today, they're a long way from elite. They're a, they have a, a ways to go to get, oh, yes. to get back to greatness. And you saw that uh, on the field when it comes to tackling. You saw that on the field when it came to uh, taking care of the football and turnovers. You saw that when it came to execution in a two-minute drill. You saw that when it came to trying to get a stop and get off the field. Uh, Duke went seven for 16 on third down conversions and two for two on that one drive on fourth down conversions. Comparing to Miami, who was four for 12 on third down conversions and one for three on fourth down conversions. So nope. lack of execution and it, it's going to take a long time for, for Miami to get back to elite status. How long do you think we will we will uh, see Miami get back to that elite status? Right before I jump into that subject on the topic regarding coaching chemistry, and it, it, yeah. it's always a tough thing in college football because in college football you see a lot of coaching carousel 
going on year in, year out with a lot of college assistants just moving from program to program. I think there may be some turnover on Miami staff too, even after the season. But in terms of Miami's future and how long could it realistically take to see what the final product of Miami under Mario Cristobal could or maybe should be is I think realistically you have to give Mario Cristobal three full classes in. I don't think it takes four full classes to to uh, to really uh, to really make this roster as a whole uh, his guys. I, I think you could salvage what you have from the 2021 class. Uh, not too much time with those kids was spent with a prior regime. But anything before that, you know, it's uh, Mario may have to make the, some decisions in regards to guys he will move forward with and guys he will move on from. But in in terms of of Mario Cristobal's full recruiting classes, because let, let's be honest, uh, he closed that 2022 class pretty well for a transition class, you know, just really having maybe just under a month of recruiting that class as a whole. Um, yeah. Nice yeah. finish he had, you know, just uh, adding Nigel Kelly and, and Cyrus Moss and Jaleel Skinner, you know, some nice pieces Miami uh, had there. Citizen. Yes, yes, Trevante Citizen as well. Nice finish there. And, and, you know, just finding a solid season as a freshman looks like a like a nice piece on the interior offensive line moving forward for Miami. But in in terms of the longevity and, and how long this course could take, I, I really do believe three years, three full classes from Chris Ball. So that would be – 2023, 2024, and 2025. And the reason why I say three is because of the tran the transfer portal era. And, you know, Miami will continue using that to their advantage. They will supplement when they can. I do have this saying in regards to the transfer portal. You cannot supply your whole roster off of the transfer portal additions because at the end of the day, it really is a Band-Aid. And at some point, you do have to develop the players that you choose to bring in from the high school ranks. So realistically, three full cycles. Uh, that's what I would give Mario Cristobal. And I think it's reasonable in the era of college football we are in now. Uh, do I think that I would like to see improvement from Miami next year? Yeah, of course. Uh, more of the team will be Mario Cristobal's team. Will it be his team completely? No, it won't be all of the guys he recruited, but it seems to me over the course of the last few games, Mario Cristobal has really been making some decisions in terms of who's going to be playing more moving forward and who is going to be left behind. We've seen a lot of starting lineup changes, even though some guys have stayed in and stayed healthy as well. So uh, more so on the offense, but it's, it's interesting to see. I would like to see some changes on defense moving forward. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some changes uh, with this team. How many changes? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, there, there could be a lot of trans potential transfers. We touched, uh, Frank and I touched on a couple of uh, possible transfers, um, you know, and, and there definitely could, could be more. Uh, but some of those guys actually got some playing time today that we mentioned before like uh, Khalil Brantley and Romello Brinson got in there. Um, yeah, Brinson was, even had the start today. Yeah. 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 It was a surprise to some. That, no that, didn't, 
this game. It didn't last too long. Uh, Jacoby George had stepped into the game after some snaps. Uh, Brinson had the drop, but you know it was it was nice to see that he got another start again this season. Maybe his practice preparation was good, but uh, you know the jury's still out. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, it. And Jerry's still out on a lot of these players. Uh, Kobe Young has been definitely the one bright spot in these last couple of weeks. Speaking um, about that, speaking about that, Marcus, yeah. two back-to-back hundred-yard performances for Kobe Young. Yeah, against yeah. power and, five teams. Yeah, and three straight games with touchdowns. He had two today. Um, to go with six catches and 127 yards, including a big one for 71. Targeted yep. nine times today. So um, he definitely led the team in targets um, by uh, by three over Jacoby George. Uh, Jacoby George was also kind of a bright spot today to see him back in the lineup. Um, but overall... With this play calling, though, with uh, with Gaddis, it's 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 been somewhat questionable just because there's no running game. This running game has just yeah. absolutely disappeared um, in these past few weeks, and it disappeared once again today. Only forty eight rushing yards, forty eight total rushing yards. Now, albeit. Um, that came with a lot of sack yardage from yes. Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. Yeah, so that, that that you know took away 50 yards right there. But uh, 63, you had 63 yards from Henry Parrish, averaging 5.7 yards a carry. And when I see that, that means that he should have probably got some more carries. Now, albeit he is coming from an injury, so he's probably not 100%. But when he did carry it, he did look good out there. Who didn't look good was Jalen Knighton once again. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it seems like Jalen is has sort of regressed this season. Um, you know, he had a lot of big splash plays for Miami last season. He wasn't exactly the type of guy that was churning out consistent yards per carry last season. But he did have a lot of bright spot moments, especially in some games, some 100-yard performances, uh, big plays out of the backfield catching the ball. But it seems like this season uh, he's he's had quite the struggles. And, you know, just, just to even speak on that is three fumbles in the last four games for Jalen Knighton. Uh, there comes a certain point where you have to consider, even, even though, you know, you have the injury bug going on in that running back room, you know, Henry Paris Jr. just now coming back from his his injury, and and you know the Don Chaney still being uh, sat out right now, and Trevante Citizen being out for the season. Uh, you do have some other backs on the roster. You know you have Lucius Stanley. Uh, they gave him more reps against Virginia Tech, and he actually seemed to be a bright spot in that game despite uh, minimal touches. He did produce some some positive yards that. It was quite impressive. A uh, little bit of, a little bit of uh, shake and bake to him as well with his size. I was surprised by that. But uh, you know, you had Thad Franklin sitting on the bench the entire day, and uh, you know, Jalen Knighton fumbled the ball again, and then 
you know, you just see him back out there again on the field. There, there has to be a certain uh, certain level of accountability. You can't really allow that. I understand Miami's not in the best position in terms of health in the running back room, but I totally agree with you. I think they should have probably gave more touches to Henry Parrish or maybe try their hand at Lucius Stanley or or even Thad Franklin. It, you know, it the the running game yeah. woes it it's it's honestly surprising you know we we talked about this in the box and Miami ran for over 180 yards against the Texas A&M defense probably the best defense Miami has faced this season and the run game has been practically almost non-existent since that game yeah. it's 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 kind of mind blowing yeah, it, it's baffling to me. It is also baffling how Thad Franklin didn't get a carry in this game. I am starting to believe that maybe he has an injury that they haven't uh, gave us any information on because that's the only explanation for Thad Franklin to not get a carry. And then also Lucius Stanley only getting one carry. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why he would only get one carry in this game. And since you since you opened up the playbook with Ja'Kari Brown and for him to only get two carries in this game, especially towards the end of this game when this game was pretty much decided, I don't understand why you don't get Ja'Kari Brown in there uh, to at least, you know, do some read option runs. You know, that yeah, makes sense to me. It, my take it, on that, Mark. Marcus, my take on that, the, the Jakari Brown thing, um, honestly, I would have put him into the game once Jake had thrown his third pick. Uh, you got to get some live reps, especially if you already burned that game for Jakari yeah. Brown in, in terms of the, the four-game redshirt rule. You got to get Jakari Brown those reps after that point because that, that game was out of reach at that, at that time. Yeah, so that's a questionable decision by, you know, the offensive coaching staff and Gaddis, but overall, how do you feel about Gaddis's play calling? Uh, very up and down. I liked the creativity in terms of the run game uh, through the first three games of the season. Uh, Miami got shut down against Middle Tennessee State. Then they started opening up the offense in terms of more four wide sets. We're even starting to see some five wide sets with a tight end and a running back split out wide. Uh, I, I, I like what I've seen more from the past game now. It seems like when the field gets shorter, when Miami gets in the red zone, a lot of issues in terms of just throwing the ball or even dominating in the run game. Uh, I, I think it may be a mix between Miami has to get better on the interior offensive line and just the fact that they haven't really found a running back that, that can be that, that cowbell guy uh, the, the the bell cow, in, in terms of you know, churning out those tough yards, those that those yards you need in those key situations, you can't leave points on the board. And this has been the ongoing story since the first game of the season. I mean, yeah, it was Bethune Cookman, and then you know the second game of Southern Miss. But you could see the struggles even back then. That Miami is is almost a completely different team on offense once they get inside the 20 yard line it, it it becomes completely different they move i feel like the offense moves well when they're not inside the red zone right. uh maybe some ways to work around that uh some more deeper shots before you get into the red zone i i do have yeah. my uh 
my complaints in terms of uh, not enough downfield passes. Uh, I felt like they gave you know some guys like Jacoby George and and uh, and Frank Ladson too many too many uh, underneath passes. Not not trying to get these guys downfield more. It uh, the explosive the explosive passing game need, needs to be incorporated. There needs to be more plays downfield. Yeah, definitely. And then we we started to see some plays downfield when uh, um, Jake Garcia got into the game here, uh, and it, it it was interesting to kind of see the the offense seem to open up a little bit more with Garcia in there. But when I look at the stats, Tyler Van Dyke was definitely uh, more of an efficient quarterback. I think this game would have probably been totally different if he doesn't get knocked out of the game here. Um, I actually think Miami would probably pull this game out. Certainly wouldn't have the the high number of turnovers if Tyler Van Dyke is in this game. But it seems as if we are going to be rolling with uh, Jake Garcia for uh, the next couple of games. And he was not it in this game, like not even close. And um, it's it's very scary, actually, to 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 really picture him under center and shotgun for these next few games. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Marcus. Um, Look, I think, uh, you know, a lot of Miami fans were calling for Jake to take over for Tyler after that middle Tennessee game, you know, Jake sparked some life in the offense in that game in the second half. Um, You know, a lot of people had their opinions when he didn't get the start the the following game. uh, Tyler Van Dyke has played pretty well through the last three games. Uh, But the thing is, Jake Garcia also does not have the same type of experience Tyler Van Dyke has had through his college career so far. And, uh, Jake Garcia, while he's had his moments at Miami, today was not his his greatest. It might have been his worst moment at Miami in terms no, of a game. No, it, it was by far his worst moment. <laughs> it was by far his worst moment, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's I, I like the things that I see from Jake. One of the things we noticed that you pointed it out first when we were sitting there in the box, you were telling me, you're like, look, you know, like, letting the he's letting the play develop a bit more he's he's a little comfortable in the pocket while very true there was some wild throws downfield from jake where we were just scratching our heads we were like where is he throwing to yeah and i think you're being nice by saying wild Uh, i mean that they they were just terrible throws i mean really bad decisions it seemed like he was you know just fresh out of high school and you know hadn't been with the team through through training camp uh or or fall camp i should say uh that's what it seemed like when we saw garcia jump into the game against middle tennessee it wasn't it wasn't quite erratic as what we saw uh saturday It, it it was it was bad and yeah they may be able to kind of get by with a win at Virginia just because Virginia is not really ex- an explosive offensively and their defense is not, you know, uh, they're, they're an average defense or some 
would probably say below average. So they may get away with a win over there in Charlottesville. But the rest of the season is going to be tough. And which brings me to my next question on Geo is is this team going to a bowl game? Right now Ooh. they are at yeah, right now they're at three and four. You need six wins usually to go to a bowl game. Sometimes you can get away with it with five, but um it's highly unlikely that you would get to a bowl game with five wins. Does this team even go bowling this season? It's that's a very good question. And it's a tough one because look, before the season started, you know, I said Miami's ceiling was 10 wins at best. That was their ceiling, their floor, eight wins. Uh, it looks like Miami will likely bottom out of that floor that I thought of. Uh, you know, just attributed to awful games against Duke and Middle Tennessee State that they were both the same kind of story, but a little different. Middle Tennessee State had a lot of explosive plays, but Miami did turn over the ball at some key moments that really spotted MTSU three scores in that game. Uh, kind of the same story in the Duke game, spotting four scores to Duke. Uh, game might have been a little different between that and just maybe possibly keeping Tyler Van Dyke in without getting hurt. Uh, maybe it could have been a different story, but in terms of going bowling, you know, you have Virginia, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Pitt all left on the schedule. Uh, I don't think Miami is going to beat Clemson. I, I just I, – I don't see <laughs> Hot it. take. Hot take, Gio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see Miami beating Clemson. Uh, Virginia, I think Miami could squeak out the win against Virginia. And this is crazy that I'm saying squeak out because Virginia is not having a great season either, just like Miami. But um, Miami's a very inconsistent team this year. You know, it's a lot of downs, kind of a roller coaster of a team. You know, there's a lot of high moments, a lot of low moments. It's, you know, yeah, it seems like it's just always something with this team. If it's not one thing, it's the other. Like last week, it was penalties. This week, it was turnovers. Uh, The week before that, it was just a lack of a running game and a lack of getting uh, North Carolina off the field. Um, Against Texas A&M, it was a lack of a passing game. Against Middle Tennessee State, it was giving up the big plays. It, It was just... It's it's just something different every week. Marcus, and, I'll, I'll give you the great example of that. And someone said this inside the press box after the game ended, uh, before we all left for the night. Uh, someone said this, uh, this perfect explanation, example to it, kind of like a like a old classic Mickey Mouse cartoon where uh, you know where where Mickey is is kind of covering up all the things that are getting broken, but another one just pops up and another one pops up after he repairs one thing after another. That's what it kind of seems with this Miami team. It's, it's yeah. kind of like a Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I think this is a very talented team. Like when healthy, I think, you know, they could have, they could have beaten everybody on their schedule minus Clemson when healthy, I think. 
And if they didn't have one of those major things happen, like if they didn't have, you know, so so many turnovers today, I think they 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 win the game. Um, I think if they had receivers catch a few more balls in that Texas A&M game, I think they win that one as well. And also make, make the, make a couple of field goals. I think they win that one. If they, if they reduce the big plays in middle Tennessee to say one or two, I think they win that game as well. Yeah. Um, and North Carolina, they just needed us. They just needed Jalen Knighton not to fumble the ball on that drive where they were going to possibly go ahead in the game and they couldn't get a stop. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they couldn't get a stop on the ensuing drive, which was ultimately how they lost the game. So they just cannot put it together. And I don't see them putting it together for the rest of the season. Speaking on these last, speaking on these last five games, Marcus, I don't see Miami beating Clemson. I do think Miami squeaks out Virginia next week. The FSU game, let's all be honest here. Um, just about every year, that rivalry game, it really doesn't matter the records either team has. Uh, we've seen this time and time again. Uh, even going into last year's matchup, a lot of people were expecting Miami to run away with it. You know, everyone thought Florida State was a horrible team last year. The record kind of showed that, but Florida State squeaked that one out at home against Miami. So that game is always a toss-up. I Do I think Miami could win that game? Yes. I, I do think Miami could still win the Florida State game, but that game is always a toss-up. I, I won't even put in an exact prediction right now. Uh, Georgia Tech, if you asked me a few I weeks think ago. We, I actually think we should, man. Let's, let's kind of go down the line and just, you know, just let me know win or loss. So Virginia, okay. Virginia, I think I'm just gonna say just just for Kane's fan psyche's sake, <laughs> I'm gonna say win. Okay. And I'll you go say win as well. well, right? Um, and then Florida State, once again, it's a toss-up game. They'll be up for it. Um, it really depends for me if Tyler Van Dyke or or Jake Garcia plays based on what I saw. If Jake Garcia yeah. plays, yeah. It's, it's a loss. If, if Tyler Van Dyke plays, I think it's a win. What, what say you? Um, I'll go with a win against Florida State. I think Miami gets revenge uh, for last year's loss. Georgia Tech, what are you thinking for that game? I think they lose. I I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't have a belief in this team that they can go on the road against uh, a team like Georgia Tech, who has shown that they can beat teams like a Pittsburgh if, you know, things kind of go their way. Uh, I really like their quarterback over there. I think he's really athletic. Miami struggles with athletic quarterbacks. We saw that today. Uh, so I think they go into an environment that would probably likely be a night game, I think. Um, I think they go – they lose in Atlanta. Uh. Man, I don't want to hedge my bets here, but I feel like that <laughs> FSU and Georgia Tech, those two games, I feel like you could flip either of one of those. Like, I think if Miami beats FSU, I have a feeling they have a letdown game against Georgia Tech the following week. If Miami loses at FSU, I think they might turn up 
against Georgia Tech. Uh, I put down a win for FSU. I'll, I'll go with a win for Georgia Tech. That would put Miami at six, but the last two, Clemson and Pitt, uh, I'm going with losses for Miami. Yeah, I'm going with losses as well. Based on what I've seen so far this season, um, you know, Clemson is is likely going to blow the doors off of them. And Pittsburgh at home, I, I see that resulting in a similar way that this Duke game um, ended as or how the North Carolina game ended. And um, it, it's, it's going to be a, it, it's a disappointing season already, but if it ends that way, it's going to be extremely uh, disappointing. Um, lastly, before we get out of here, uh, you did get a chance to kind of speak to some of the prospects uh, and commits that came to the game today. What was the overall reaction from those uh, players that witnessed what we saw uh, today against Duke? So from the commitments that were in attendance, for the most part, after speaking with them after the game, it seemed the general consensus from those from those guys uh, was mostly, it doesn't seem like Miami's class is going to imminently fall apart, at least from the guys that were in attendance that I could say, uh, just speaking firsthand with them. Uh, the, the message is very clear that's coming from Miami, especially from their coaches and Mario Cristobal. They, they are really telling these kids that, you know, they, they are that class that they believe is, is going to start everything. So that's putting a lot of expectations on them. It is Mario, Mario Cristobal's first full cycle class. So interesting. Um, I, I do believe the, the sense of that Miami could hold on to the majority of this class, especially a lot of college coaches around the country get that first year bump in recruiting. Uh, Miami will have to show results on the field next year because you can only sell visions and dreams for so long uh, without results. So in regards to the commitments, uh, in regards to the targets, it seemed kind of lukewarm, uh, you know, just, they liked the game. They liked the atmosphere, but you know, it, it didn't seem like they were super hyped about Miami. And I think it's hard to to, you, to say. So you said they like they liked the atmosphere. Yeah, hmm, that's good. That's good to know. Good to know. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised that I mean that uh, announced paid attendance today. I, I don't think it was anywhere close to that. But um, so right. in terms of atmosphere comments i was a little surprised but uh in in terms of the targets i didn't get the sense of that they lost any interest in miami i got the sense of they're just kind of like yeah they understand miami's building uh they understand it's the first year and not everything's just gonna start off like a like a rocket the first year but it kind of seems like miami's going to have to start showing results and showing it soon um in terms of you know just class of 2024 and ahead. Well, that's positive. That's positive to hear about the recruiting class. I know a lot of fans are kind of worried about the class and sticking together. And it seems like this class is going to stick together uh, despite the woes that we've seen on the field. So that's, 
that's pretty positive. And like we uh, talked about earlier, it's going to take some time for Mario Cristobal and his staff to really get Miami back. And uh, we saw evidence of that today. Anything else you want to cover before we uh, get out of here? Uh, Jake Garcia moving forward, because it doesn't look like Tyler is going to be playing anytime soon after that injury. It didn't look too well. Didn't return in the second half. Um, how do you think it looks with Jake moving forward? I'm nervous, man. <laughs> I'm really nervous about Jake based on what I saw. I mean, uh, for him to throw what was it for three interceptions. interceptions he almost had a fourth um, i think yeah. it was yeah and and it was a fumble i believe as well that he had yes so so yeah so he so he turned the ball over four times uh that's something that you just can't do as a quarterback i mean even if you don't wipe the world on fire the ball is in your hands more than anybody else on the field. And you just got to protect the football. It's all about ball security. And you know, the, those coaches are going to be driving that home all week leading up into this Virginia game about ball security. And hopefully he kind of gets that message. If he is the guy I am worried about, you know, how he performs on, go forward but he's a highly touted recruit originally from california won a state championship with georgia during the COVID year so he's found ways to battle through adversity he also had a you know ankle injury last year so he's a guy i'm rooting for let's just say that um you know talked to him several times this guy he, he he's a winner and i think he's going to find a way to still be Jake Garcia, who is more of a gunslinger than TVD is. But I'm worried out of the gate. You know, I'm worried um, based on what I saw. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that he can a- a- engineer this team to a couple more wins. Hey, let's let's hope uh, that performance today, maybe, uh, maybe it gets a similar turnaround from Jake in, in terms of how Tyler Van Dyke turned it around after that Middle Tennessee game. We'll see. Yeah, we will see, said the blind man. So that is going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Uh, thanks, Gio, for coming on. And uh, until the next Thank episode, you. man. Peace. Peace.